You know, I'm excited because the next Dune movie is coming out. You know, there's that little clip that I have in the intro there in the song, Long Live the Fighters. That's from Dune, the uh, the original, what it was, the 83, 84 film. Yeah, that was old. And and uh, while that movie is bad, I'm a huge fan of the Dune novel. And so I've come, come to, I've grown, come to like that movie over time. And I think every Dune fan probably has to one extent or another because, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I, was, I was thinking about it this week and I really want that scene where he pulls out the dagger and says, long live the fighters. I need that in this new film. It has to be there. Otherwise, it's not a Dune movie. I know. Right. It has to be there. So I feel like it's going to be missing. Like that's the only thing that I want to see. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's it. I don't care about anything else, but that's got to be there. Yeah. I'll still critique the whole movie, but yeah. as long as that's there, then it'll at least get well, a, you know, you know and two there's stars. A, there's a reason for that. I mean, that, that sound clip of, of Long Live the Fighters, that has always held a very special place in my heart years ago, years, years, years ago. Um, the Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes, they were playing in the playoffs. And it was back when they were playing at America West Arena, when it was America West Arena. I don't know what the hell it's called anymore. But when it was America West Arena, so uh, about five or six of my buddies, we went, we got tickets for, for playoff hockey and we went downtown. We had, you know, we drank a bunch of beer and ate a bunch of meat. And then we went to go see the game and we were, we had nosebleeds like way up in the tops of the rafters of the arena. Right. Right. And um, during the, you know how, so like, when you're at a game, they often show little clips from movies or things to get the, cl- the crowd all riled up. And it can be different little video takes mm-hmm. or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. And there was one moment I've never seen it played again, maybe because they heard us because we were screaming so loud and it was so stupid. But there was a <laughs> lull in the game. And I think it was, I don't even think they were skating. I think it was, I think there was like a TV timeout or I don't know, something like that. And all of a sudden on all of the monitors around the arena came that showed that they showed that scene from dune where paul atreides Uh pulls out the knife and says long live the fighters and all five or six of us jumped up it was like like i said it was a lull in the game and we we started screaming for shy halud long live the fighters and we're like you know there's like five or six of us and everybody's looking at us like like, who are, are these, these nerds guys? in the nosebleeds yeah. <laughs> at a hockey game, man? <laughs> and it was fantastic. Though, like, the rest of the game, all we did was scream for Shai Hulud. <laughs> yeah. 
That's there that are five just... people in our listening audience who actually know what Shailun is. <laughs> awesome. That's why I put that little sound clip in the in the intro music because of yeah. in the intro. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, that's why it's there. Well, hey, speaking of intro, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. you want to intro this show? Oh yeah, I guess I could. You could. You could. You want to take it or no? <laughs> oh no 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 i don't have the script in front of me and everybody's gotten so used to you doing that i wouldn't want to take that away from you oh, dr ramirez sure 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 <laughs> all right well this is uh welcome welcome everybody season two episode nine of the fusion underground episode you know if we're talking i still haven't gone back through and counted them all um and i should do that i've been wanting to do that but here at the fusion underground we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Moret. And there was much rejoicing. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as always, you can find everything that we have, which is not much, out on our website at fusionunderground.net. You can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash azfusionunderground. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter at the FU Brothers. And you can catch all of our audio feeds off of our website at Anchor Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Apple. You can just look at those websites. Or if you, are, if you happen to come by our website, you can check out all of the uh, audio feeds there. And as always, you can send us hate mail at contact at fusionunderground.net. So today, we're going to be talking about culture. We're going to be talking about culture, our culture specifically. Culture? American culture, America. I was going to say, that's a very, very broad It's very vague. It's very, um, it's very broad. Topic. We could probably stretch this into the next three or four weeks if we wanted to and take different pieces of the culture. So I think this will be, I think this will be a fun discussion. Um. But before we get into that, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. We, we do have a couple of news pieces to, to get to. Um, COVID is back, in the, is back in the news, but not in the way you would normally think. And, uh, um, yes. And, uh, but I, we also have, um, we have a palate cleanser. And I want to show you the palate cleanser because I think you'll actually get a kick out of it. But. Okay. But. <laughs> In comparison to previous palate cleansers that I don't normally get a kick out of. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So let me, I got to, I got to share this portion of my screen so you can actually see it here. So um, for, it does for, help usually for those who are just catching all this off the audio, um, what you're going to be seeing is, is a little, is a kid. He must be like maybe 10, 12 years old. I don't know, something like that. And um, and he's on like, I don't know. He's he's like on one of these little, those like a, it's like a skateboard. What's it called? Like a scooter, I guess. It's a skateboard with a handle that comes up and you it's hold on razor. to it. It's razor. a little razor scooter. Sure. I, don't know what the, I don't know what it's called. But anyway, um, check this out. Check this out. You can see this, okay. right? All right, check this out. Oh my God! Hey! 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 
The kid was terrified. Now, no, he's uh, like, well. I'd I'd be terrified too. <laughs> I mean, this this kid's riding his little razor, and this freaking crow, this is bird just keeps dive bombing him. a bogey on his six. Man, he's <laughs> he's got somebody back there. He's got tone. Poking <laughs> 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 in the back of the head. I'm like, well, you're wearing a helmet. Up. You're wearing a helmet. So I don't know what that kid. What did that kid do to piss off that bird? I don't know, but that bird was not right in the head. Yeah, he's got a helmet. He's not going to peck through it. But if that bird is that determined to chase him down the street pissed off, I don't know where that bird's going to stop. And neither does that poor young little man. I, I really for his life. I really hope that his dad was filming that. I really hope that that was his dad. It would just make me so happy. Because your dad is supposed wait, wait, wait. to do cre- your dad is supposed to not care when the bird is attacking you. Uh, your uh, your dad is supposed to look oh. at you. And go, oh yeah, you dumbass. What do you you know? Quit being a dumbass, and the bird won't chase and attack you. But let me film it. I'm yeah. gonna post, no no no. Film this okay, and post I get- it all over the internet because I'm gonna shame my son into becoming a better person. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that. So in that regard, do. yes, I agree with you. When you said, I sure hope that's his dad, I'm going, well, I kind of do too. What other creepy old guy is going to be filming kids out riding their, you know, bicycles and scooters down the street? You're going to end up getting somebody convicted of being a pedophile or something. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, speaking speaking of birds, speaking of birds... Have you heard about these these parrots that were removed Bird. from okay. the UK safari park? Oh, I just saw that. Yes, no, I didn't hear about parrots that were referred. What? No. <laughs> I love what you. What kind man. of TV do you think I watch <laughs> during the day? <laughs> if that did not interrupt in a, in a breaking news interruption on Paw Patrol, I probably didn't see it. <laughs> Okay, let me let me uh, let me read this to you because I got a kick out of this. This is a, this is another fun one. So the the title of this article, it's from Insider.com. Parrots, parrots, you know, birds. Flap flap flap. Parrots. Yeah, I get it. Were removed from a UK safari park after teaching each other to swear and then laughing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a group of African gray parrots who were quarantined together at a wildlife park in Lincolnshire, England, taught each other how to swear. The five birds arrived. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making this up, Wait, 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 Go 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 back. (laughs) Dude, I'm right at the beginning. I thought human beings were the only ones morbidly affected by quarantine. Apparently not. This is what happens when you quarantine things. Living creatures are not supposed to be quarantined. This is perfect proof. Oh my God. Okay. Can I continue? 
The five birds, there are five of them. The five birds arrived at Lincolnshire Wildlife Park in August and shared a room. The park's chief executive, Steve Nichols, told reporters, the foul language made staff members laugh, which encouraged the birds to keep going with their naughty words, Nichols told Lincolnshire Live. The parrots started to equate swear words with laughter and would start laughing at their own obscenities. <laughs> it's not uncommon for parrots to learn swear words and be encouraged to continue when they see people enjoy their vulgar comedy. But when you get four or five together that, ha that have learnt the swearing and naturally learnt the laughing, so when one swears, one laughs and before you know it, just got to be like an old working men's club scenario where, they all just, where they're all just swearing and laughing, Nichols told Lincolnshire Live. By the time the park reopened to the public, the birds had gotten in the habit of calling visitors names. Staff and customers got a laugh out of it, Nichols said, but the park decided to move them to an enclosure until their vocabulary improved. We put them in an offshore enclosure with the intention that hopefully they will start learning the other parrots' noise that are around. He added, what we will do now is release them out, but in separate areas. So at least if they do swear, it is not as bad as three or four of them all blasting it out at once. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally like me and like four of my other buddies <laughs> hanging out, like, you know, sleepover in high school. And my mom had to come and go, all right, that's it. I'm separating you guys. You're not allowed to hang out anymore. You guys are a bad influence on each other because there's just farts and giggling and cursing going on. And it happens for about an hour and a half. And then everybody ends up with belly aches and all upset because we've been, we can't keep going. <coughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Isn't it? I thought that was fantastic. That's hilarious. Parrots literally egging each other on. Calling yeah. each other names, <laughs> laughing about it. It reminds me of the two old guys, the two old Muppets from the Muppet Show. You yeah. know, the old guys that sit up in the box, you know, yes, and they just the kind of heckle. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. It reminds me of them, but as parents. Oh. Yeah. Good times. Oh, Good man. I needed that. <sighs> well, that's a wrap. Great show. Yeah. <laughs> call it right there <laughs> i think everything else was gonna be a downer from that point on <laughs> oh man oh it's fantastic yeah that is fantastic <laughs> all right um in some more serious news the president uh tested positive for covid yes he um, did and now he's at walter reed medical center and you don't you don't follow the social media stuff like i do um but the last couple of days, Ooh. social media has been absolutely on fire. And uh, no, I heard a lot about it. Yeah, it, it's been it's been absolutely on fire over all of this. Um, Some pretty disgusting stuff out there, actually. Yeah, people calling for his death and um, pretty, you know. The, the same people, the, I, let me, and let me just address the, the same exact people who have been demanding that Trump come out and basically denounce hatred in the form of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. These were the same people that turned around and became hate-filled. 
So <clears throat> I don't understand it. Well, sure. Well, I understand it, but I don't understand it. And, and all from the party of uh, free love and compassion and understanding, as we've always been told. That's the uh, right. Um, those are the groups of, of tolerance, of tolerance, and acceptance, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and the first your first reaction, first words. Um, the president, first lady, have been t- tested positive for COVID nineteen. I hope they die. Yeah, that was it. Really? That was basically the response. You're you know, not saying that. There's a lot of people. You're not saying that on the left that I don't agree with, that I don't particularly care for. You know what? There's a lot of people out there I straight out just absolutely do not like. But if I found out that he or she <clears throat> tested positive for COVID, actually, let's go with something that can actually kill you, like uh, Ebola. My reaction would be, you know what? Thoughts and prayers. I hope they pull through. Not, I hope they die. Right. Right. What's, you know, what's amazing to me is, um, you know, speaking of all of the hatred and everything before, before Thursday, after Tuesday, but before Thursday, so Tuesday night, all day, Wednesday, and then Thursday morning and early afternoon, there were a lot of people, a lot of journalists who were clamoring for the president to denounce white supremacy. They kept demanding that he do this. Mm -hmm. And there was a question during the debate where he was asked to denounce white supremacy. And he said, sure. He said he would absolutely love to do that. He went on and he said, well, which ones do you want me to, which groups? Name them. I'll denounce them. But keep in mind, I, I, so he was asked that very same question back in 2016 and denounced it then. Oh, sure. But here's my question. Go. Why should the president have to denounce white supremacy. It's not like white supremacists have not been rioting since March. If anybody well, and, and should and be denouncing. He's not surrounding himself with white supremacy either. He's not marching with white supremacists. No. He's not rooting and standing out um, for peaceful protests, quote unquote, with white supremacists either. <clears throat> does he denounce them? Yes. Yes, he does. He, he put in the, the very first presidential um, uh, edict <clears throat> Just what three weeks ago now, four weeks ago, yeah, actually well, denouncing them. It's the first president, um, that we've had ever do that. Yeah, listen, listen, what listen, more listen do you the, want? Listen to this, listen to this. He's yet once to condemn white supremacy, the neo Nazis. He hasn't condemned the darn thing. Do you want white supremacists to vote for you? No, I don't at all, not at all. Racism is evil. And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. And and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. I spoke out forcefully against hatred, bigotry, and violence, and strongly condemned the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, and the KKK. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. Any group of hate, I don't like it. Any group of hate, I am, whether it's white supremacy, whether it's any other kind of supremacy, whether it's Antifa. So what the, the, one, the one sound there where you hear the crowd in the background, that was here in Phoenix, Arizona. 
Yeah, uh, that, that was here in Phoenix. And, um, you know, he's got a long history of, of condemning white supremacy. I don't, yeah, the, the fact that this has now become, become an issue with the left and demanding that he denounce them, you know, it's not, it's not the white supremacists that are out there rioting and burning down cities. We have Antifa. No, and, never have been. Right. We have Antifa and BLM <laughs> doing. We have actual, we have, we have um, Kamala Harris, the candidate for vice president. She has been tweeting out before she was actually declared, you know, picked, chosen as the vice presidential candidate. She was actually encouraging people to donate money to their GoFundMes and all of this that were going, that the monies were then being used to bail out the Antifa and BLM rioters. Yet they haven't been asked, Biden hasn't been asked to denounce BLM or Antifa. Kamala Harris hasn't been asked to, de- to, ask to denounce those, those groups. I don't understand why Trump has to, all of a sudden it's up to Trump to, den- to denounce white supremacy when white supremacy, I mean, great, he did, fantastic, awesome. He's done it numerous times, as you heard from all of those different clips going from 2016 all the way to 2020. So he's done it numerous times. Fantastic. But why is that even an issue? Why is that even a question? <clears throat> I mean, I know the answer to that, right? It's, it's something that <clears throat> Well, they, right now, the, no, the, I was going to say, you, you understand, you don't agree with it, and, and right. I can understand that too. It's, it's the only thing um, out of the debate. It's the only thing out of the debate that they had coming out of Tuesday night that the president didn't do great on. It's the one, it's the one area because, you know, that, that, that was a long drawn out thing where Trump is battling both Biden because Biden was talking over Chris Wallace at the time and Chris Wallace was, was trying to speak and, and Trump's trying to, you know, trying to answer that question. And so it was, it was basically Trump against Chris Wallace and Biden. And it was an absolute shit show at that moment. And that was the one moment that journalists had where the president didn't look as, as strong on other things. And so that's the one thing that they could hinge him on. And I'm sorry, but if that's all you got coming out of Tuesday, I think it's pretty obvious that Trump did pretty a lot better than people gave him credit for at the time. No, and and even <clears throat> excuse me, having listened or and watched and listened to it while it was happening, um, I had a much different take on it um, a day, even two days later. Actually, going back and listening to it again and analyzing it a little bit deeper. Um, the second and or third time and I actually came away from that after a couple days after going you know what there was no real bombshells against the president like what I've been hearing everybody talking about anywhere I didn't see it and even that I agree with you that was maybe the one moment where he did not stand out as strong and even there he still said, yes, absolutely. Who else, who do you want me to denounce? Name them. I will. Fine. Right. Of course, <clears throat> Chris isn't going to say, I want you to say this, 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 and this. So he could say yes to all of those. But the fact of the matter is we're talking, what is the actual current issue? And I think that's where the president perhaps did not bridge the gap to refocus the entire country Yeah, and say, you want me to denounce white supremacy. Okay, fine. But let's talk about the real issue of racial hatred happening right now. 
because it's not white supremacist. It's not the what what are the ready boys or whatever the heck that I don't even know the name of the group because nobody even knows them because they're not doing anything. Nobody cares. The Proud Boys. But <laughs> Proud Boys, thank you. So what who are the racially motivated groups that are out in the streets burning down the cities, shooting people, beating people in the street, murdering cops? That's not white supremacists. Why don't we talk about Antifa? And then the response to that, Antifa is an idea, not an organization. No, wrong. And the argument that um, Joe Biden was attempting to make, bless his poor heart, was that the FBI director said in the case that Antifa is an idea. That's true. But you have to finish reading the rest of the sentence, which is formulated into an organization. You can look at their website. They have one. It is an organized group of people. And they are top of the internal threat list for organized internal terrorism. That's the rest of the quote, Joe <clears throat> so the, the the problem that I have here in if we can just talk about the debate for a minute going a little bit further um, you know that question and a few others were terrible questions they were terrible questions posed by by Chris Wallace as as the moderator you know the first the first question that was just absolutely egregious or the the, the question that I think is probably the most egregious was when um, when Chris, Chris Wallace, he said this, he said, this month, this was posed to Trump. He said, this month, your administration directed federal agencies to end racial sensitivity training that addresses white privilege or critical race theory. Why did you decide to do that, to end racial sensitivity training? And do you believe that there is systemic racism in this country, sir? Okay. The problem with that, the problem with that question, <clears throat> what Chris Wallace was asking and he knows better. Chris Wallace is a smart guy. No, he's he, not a dummy. He's a smart guy. And he knows this difference. There is, but there is a tremendous difference between racial sensitivity training and critical race theory. What, mm -hmm. what President Trump got rid of, what he nixed out of the federal government was training these training sessions on critical race theory critical race theory is that thing that says white people are racist and that's it that yeah. you're you by by just the by the very fact of that you're born into this world as a white person you are inherently racist and therefore you are an animal and you are scum of the earth and therefore the best thing that you can do is learn how to live with your evil and not perpetuate your evil out into the world that's, a, that's what critical race training is or critical race theory is. It's different than sensitivity training. So the fact that he asked that is just ridiculous. Um, he asked about condemning the, the white supremacy, which we covered a little bit. Um, it, an, another, thing, another thing that I thought was just, uh, was just bogus was the question. Uh, he says, I want to return to the question of race. Do you believe that there is a separate but unequal system of justice for blacks in this country? 
again, you can, you can ask that question, but you can do so in a way that frames it as a neutral question, as opposed to framing it the way he did, which was, which was essentially kind of like saying, well, when did you stop beating your wife? Right. Because no matter how you ask yeah. that, no matter how you <laughs> answer that, you come off as, as a wife beater, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There, was another, there was another question that he asked, which was about believing in climate change, which was just as egregious. Um, and then there was the moment where Biden got completely, he was, he was completely, um, how should I say, Biden started to lose his train of thought pretty badly. And, and by, and Chris Wallace actually helped him out. Um, <laughs> Biden had actually forgot, had forgotten what the topics were that they were trying to answer. And so he just kind of, and Biden joked and said, I can't remember with, I can't remember which of all the, of all of his rantings. And Wallace actually laughed as well and said, I'm having a little trouble myself. Mm-hmm. That's a moment. You, you have to understand that that's a moment where one candidate is now uh, working with the moderator against the other candidate. Well, or at least to control the debate ground or the conversation, Um, which I don't like giving anybody the opportunity to explain anything away saying that there's a two against one. And nobody should. Nobody would want that. Now, if, if you're going to go up and you're going to debate somebody and you whoop their butt on that debate stage, you want it to be clear that you were stronger in your response to the issues, that you had a more clear and resounding argument with the audience and with people at home, because that's who you're targeting. So don't give anybody the opportunity to say, well, it sounded that way, but that's because it was two on one up there so somebody had to fight two people off don't do that you don't want that because if you did make a clear argument you don't want that explained away which unfortunately that's what's if you're not listening to the mainstream media go nuts that's what you're hearing is it was a a two-on-one situation and if you're on the left-hand side you don't you don't want to have to fight that battle it discredits what you've done there was, there was another question where he said, will you wait to declare an election victory? But of course he asked that of Trump. Uh, Trump doesn't have to wait to declare victory. He's fully in his right to declare victory if he wants to. He could be wrong. I'm not saying he's, he, he could declare victory and it doesn't mean anything. Um, so just because you declare victory, who cares? That doesn't, that- yeah. He could declare victory today. The, Okay. Well, we well, haven't we haven't done the election yet, so. <laughs> and and well, and and that's what most people do. They most people will have their you know when they're being introduced, they're introduced as the next president of the United States, right? Right. Um, essentially, that's kind of a, 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 a it's a it's a weakened form of it, but it's essentially declaring what's going to happen in the future. Well, who cares if Trump if Trump says that? The other thing that the other the other question that I thought was pretty egregious was when uh, Chris Wallace asked if he would. Um, transition power if he right. lost the would he, he ex- accept and, and assist in a peaceful transition of power and you know <laughs> the, the thing is is people that believe this are clowns i'm sorry but if you think if you are so worried that president trump if he were to lose the election <clears throat> and it's possible he could lose the election i don't know what i don't know what the, the, the cards hold let's say he loses the election 
there are people that are literally terrified that come January 20th, he will not relinquish power and he will essentially just lock himself up in the White House. And, and what these people fail to recognize is that's <laughs> not how our system works. That's not how any of this no, works. No, we, We're a nation governed by laws and the constitution says when your term is up, you, you, don't, you don't hold on to the power. The, 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 the constitution says you hold power for a certain period of time. If that period of time comes and, and that period of time ends, guess what? You just no longer have power. You're no longer in, in that position. Right. You're now, you're done with that position. There is no holding on to it. The, the Secret right. Service- You're fired. In. Goodbye. Yeah, if, if you won't vacate the premises, guess what the Secret Service will do? They will grab you and they will throw you out. That's yeah. what they do. The same guys that were covering your butt just a few yes. weeks ago are going to be the ones to throw you out they're, on they're, it. They're going to just come and take you and take you out of the White House. This is yeah. nothing to be terrified over. All of all this is, is, is liberal media drumming things up, trying to get people freaked out. Keep in mind, this is politics is like any other product. The politicians are the product and, and these campaigns are trying to sell you a product. Literally, they are trying to sell it to you because they want you to donate money. They want you to purchase their candidate. They want you to give money to the campaigns and they want you to vote for their guy. And this is no different than, than any other product like tires or car insurance or anything like that, where they use fear, uncertainty, and doubt to get you to back their guy or back their product. And this is no different. This is just exa another example of fear. Oh my God, if we don't, if we, what, what if we do vote him out and he doesn't leave, what's going to happen then? Nothing. Nothing is going to happen. Stop it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hadn't even heard that it was that big of an issue. I, oh, I yeah. really hadn't. Oh, yeah. um, I was more, when I heard that question, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Of all the people to ask about a peaceful transition of power, you're going to ask Donald Trump. He still has, is fighting a non-peaceful transition of power three and a half years after he won the election, <laughs> you jack wagons. I mean, he was literally trapped in there by the FBI along and under the direction of um, Obama and Biden with Hillary Clinton. We've got the transcripts of how that started. And you're going to ask that guy about a peaceful transition of power? Are you freaking smoking dope, man? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> the heck is wrong with you i know it's I, just, I was i was floored by that I, I i couldn't believe it it's just ridiculous you know and, and the, the the two things that that really irritated me about about biden's responses is uh the first was about how he was asked whether or not he would pack the the supreme court if elected mm -hmm. and he refused yeah. to answer that and he he continues to refuse to answer that he's been asked that twice so far since tuesday and both times he's refused to answer the question um, that's, that's a bit dangerous. You're basically saying that, like Nancy Pelosi, huge. you're not going to learn anything about me unless you elect me. Right. And, and that's egregious. Um, the, the other thing that I didn't like was when he was asked about the green new deal and he said that he didn't support the green new deal because he knows it's, it, he knows it's a, it's a, it's a negative, it's a negative thing for any campaign it, to be supportive of because it's just, it's, yeah. 
it's a it's a sinkhole of 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 money. It's I think it's something like thirty trillion dollars is what we would be on on the hook for. It's it's insane. Right, but his and own it, VP, but his own VP candidate co-sponsored the Green New Deal bill. And correct, Biden's yeah. own website says he supports the Green New Deal. And in the same and in the exact same uh, debate, a few minutes later. What did Trump say? He said, or what did uh, Biden say? Biden said, well, the Green New Deal will pay for itself. So are you against it? Correct. Or are you for it? Even in the same debate, he was, he was yep. against it and for it all at the same time. Go. Yeah. He said that that was not, that's not my plan. That's not, well, I believe it's not your plan. I'm not sure that you actually have much of a plan other than what anybody hands you anyway. But that being said, he said, no, the Green New Deal is not my plan. That's not part of my deal. I don't support that. That's not that. Um, and then, yes, moments later, comes back and says, well, it'll pay for itself within six years. But the Green New Deal is a sinkhole. It is a bad talking point especially within um, what you would consider moderate Democrats, because even the moderates actually know, you know, that's a, that's, I get the intent. I get the good feel goods about it, but the actual mechanics of how that is going to affect not only our economy, but our everyday way of life, not ready to make the leap yet. Right. Right. And most people aren't. Okay. That's, that's kryptonite. Yeah, that is kryptonite. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about the debate. We could probably continue to go on, but I really want to talk about culture. Okay. I do. Um, because, you know, th our culture impacts a lot of this kind of stuff. Our culture shapes the way, it shapes the kind of, of politicians we have. You know, one thing that I was really irritated about Tuesday night, or actually Wednesday morning, I was seeing all of these things on, on social media. I had various friends on social media who were, they were aghast over the, the craziness that was the, the debate. And I said, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Our culture is one now where we, we cut out family members and friends who have different political opinions than we do. We go on social media and we trash each other, we eviscerate each other, we hope that people die if they have different political opinions from ourselves. If we see anybody on the street and they're wearing a Trump shirt or they're wearing a MAGA hat or they're wearing something from a different political ideology, people are going up to them and screaming and yelling at them. We have BLM and Antifa members going into restaurants screaming at people sitting there trying to have a meal. You're going to be aghast because the two candidates for president got on a stage and argued, and yet you behave like this in public and online to your fellow Americans? You're, you're shocked and appalled by seeing our own culture manifest on a debate stage? We don't get to be appalled by that. You don't no. get to stand there and wag your finger and say, we need better candidates. You're a, we're a part of all of this. We accept all of this. And so the only way that we get better candidates is we have to instill a better culture. Plain and simple. So I can agree with that. 
But on the, on the contrary, I will argue that what I think we have become accustomed to, and I heard this about a, from a lot of my um, right-leaning friends mm-hmm. who said, you know, we need to take the high road and not stoop to that level and not do. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of seeing the right leaning or conservative representatives and people that represent me and everyone else constantly get beat up on and take the high road. And I said, and I believe we just saw what we just saw was a little bit of somebody else not being willing to get beat up on and take the high road Mm -hmm. and go, okay, you want to get nasty and you want to start, we can do that. We can do that. And I think that's what has shocked a lot of people on the left-hand side of the aisle because they are absolutely used to getting away with the BS that they normally do. And sorry, I'm just using the debate as an example because this is how we're going to feed into our culture discussion with this. You know, Biden was the one to first interrupt Trump. He was. And he did that twice, I believe, if not three times. And I can't remember going back. But three times in one, in one question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Three times before Trump finally said, okay, I'm not going to play that game with you tonight. You want to do that? We're going to do that. And he could not handle that. And the entire left-hand side of the country didn't know how to handle that because they're not used to seeing that. Well, and They're in, used to getting away with that. Keep in mind that, that Joe Biden did that exact same thing to Paul Ryan. Correct. Did the exact same thing to Paul Ryan in, in 2012, during the 2012 election. They sat down as VP. Paul Ryan started to talk and Biden started to interrupt him. Biden played the bully card during that. And everybody loved it. The media loved it. The liberals loved it because Paul Ryan didn't fight back. And so here we saw Joe Biden trying to do the exact same thing at the presidential debate, but Trump's a guy that's not going to tolerate it. He's not going to stand there. We've had, we've had Republican Republican leaders who have taken it. They have tried to take the high road. Mm -hmm. They've been the epitome of class and professionalism and all of that. Ronald Reagan was, was crucified constantly by the left. You had Bush Sr. who was crucified constantly. You had Bush, uh, Bush uh, Jr. who was vilified constantly. These guys never said anything. Mitt Romney, probably the nicest politician on the planet, probably one of the most, one of the most honest politicians on the planet, whether or not you care for his politics, he was crucified when he was running. I mean, people still talk about his binders full of women as if that was a negative thing. It just, all he was referring to was having binders of resumes. And Mm -hmm. he's still crucified for that. John McCain, another, another guy who the left loved John McCain when he was a maverick, because what it meant to be a maverick for John McCain was to go against his own political party. They supported him when he was against the GOP, but the second he ran against him, they burned him down to the ground. Sure. And, and yep. so th- we, now we have, a, we have a GOP candidate who's fighting back and the left steps back and says, oh, I'm appalled. How terrible. I'm appalled. 
No. It was disgusting. It was a disgrace to no. the Amer to our American democracy and our political system. You know what? Get the heck out of here. If you go back and look at the debate you were referring to with uh, Joe Biden in 2012, the way he interrupted Paul Ryan, the um, name-calling he did under his breath into the microphone, and even the laughing, the sarcastic, snert, you know, sneering laugh – it is uncanny to compare that side by side with the debate that happened Tuesday night. The exact same thing happened. Matter of fact, it was Paul Ryan, even at that time, who said, um, with all due respect, I think the American public would be better served if we have our two minutes uninterrupted so they can. It was exactly what Chris Wallace ended up saying. And yet, that still continued. And they were aghast because the president actually said, I'm not playing that crap. We're going to, no, you want to scrap? Let's scrap. You want to fight? Fine. You want to argue? Fine. You want to interrupt? Oh, I can interrupt you. Just remember, you wanted this. Yeah, you wanted this. So taking so that into our culture. Yeah, so let's take that into our, into our culture debate. You know, a lot of our culture... And we're guys, so we're going to kind of talk about this from a guy's perspective. We could talk about it from, we, you know, we could bring in women and everything like that. And, and, and quite frankly, we might, we might, maybe we'll do that someday. I don't know. But, you know, what? I, I think it's important that because we are both men, mm -hmm. we can speak from that base and relate our own personal experience to it. That is not to say that the experiences do not cross the gender line. Right. Um, but we're not, we're not being misogynist by only talking about it from a guy's perspective. Nor exclusionary saying nor exclusionary. what we're going on is only guy. And it's right. sad, but unfortunately there are necessary disclaimers that must be had because um, yes. this is going out to the public. So in, there we go. In fact, there's part of this that we could probably look at it. We could probably take the same concept and apply it to women. And, and that this concept that we're going to talk about is the five, the five uh, friends that every guy needs to have, the five types of friends that every guy needs to have. And there's probably very similar types of friends in these categories that women should have. For example, perfect example is, um, and this is based off of an article that I found here uh, that was titled five types of friends every man needs written for written for dudes. So dudes, you know, the idea is, okay. you know, we talk about, you know, our culture right now, we have these concepts, you know, feminism is, is shitting all over masculinity in our culture. It, it truly is. It truly is. Oh yeah. Uh, Postmodern feminism is shitting all over, all over uh, masculinity. And I'm really thankful that I'm not a 19, 20 year old, uh, you know, in college uh, right now, because I think it would be a disaster zone. I, I, I really worry for a lot of young men, who are that age right now trying to find their way in this culture because it's really crazy. So, um, but anyway, five, these are five kinds of, five kinds of friends that every guy needs. The first of which is the mentor. We actually did a whole show on the mentor archetype. Mm -hmm. um, and, yep. and this is, this is, this is really important because this is where this is the mentor is. It doesn't have to be a mentor in your job. It can, it can be, but let's say you're still in college and you're trying to find your way. Even more so do you need that mentor, somebody that you can go to, to just 
talk to another guy to get another guy's perspective on things. Somebody who's a little bit older or wiser than you, and you can get their advice from them. And, you know, we, when we were talking and doing that discussion on mentoring, um, we focused a lot of in the um, professional environment, especially with job mentoring. And um, our good friend, Chris Anderson was on with us talking about that. Um, but I, I very much so believe that having a life mentor and for me, a male mentor um, outside of the workplace is overwhelmingly valuable because it's those life skills, those uh, human skills that, that um, moral rectitude and, and all of those things that I can learn and build and then take to the workplace and to home and to outside. It's those kind of character building um, ideals that, that follow a, a person, in my case, a man, through life and, and develop from there. Yeah, absolutely. These are, you know, everybody needs to have that, that, uh, that mentor that you can go to when the shit hits the fan and you just, you know, when, when times are tough and stress is difficult and, and life you're, you're, you're lost in, in life and you don't know really what to do. You know, sometimes your mentor isn't even going to tell you what to do. In fact, they may just ask you a bunch of questions. They may not even say anything at all. Uh, but but having somebody that can that you can just talk to to bounce ideas off of is is extremely important. Um, you know, and we always say, you know, I I can hear people now. I can hear the ladies out there saying, well, that's what your spouse is, but your wife is supposed to be there for you. Well, yes, you know what? Um, to a certain degree, your significant other should be there for uh, in that role to a certain degree. But <laughs> there, <laughs> but but sometimes you know what? Sometimes it's the relationship that's giving you heartache, and you can't go to that other person and say, "I need some advice here." You, you know, okay, I I have major heartburn with that. So why? let me and let me explain, please. I go to my wife with pretty much everything, mm-hmm. but as a as a man, as a husband or spouse, as a, my wife is my partner, not my mentor. Um, does she give me advice? No, or no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Now time out, time out. Okay, what I, okay. what I was saying, I wasn't referring that your wife should be your mentor. I was talking about the role of somebody just helping you out when times get tough. You're okay. You're, your partner should absolutely be there and you should absolutely be turning to your partner when things get tough. If you lost $10,000 in a gambling bet, you better come clean to your spouse. You better. You, you better. No, you, you get in the car and drive. You just go, man. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> don't, don't. No, 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 well, no, no. Yeah, no, that's no, if you no. don't, as if you're just going to be like, screw it, I'm done. Right. All right. Nope, I quit. I'm out. I agree with you. I don't believe your spouse should be your mentor, but okay. in the, in the concept of when things go bad in your life and you're stressed out and you need somebody to talk to your spouse should be somebody that you can go to, but sometimes they can't be sometimes they cannot be. And, and it's okay to recognize correct. that. And that's not fair to put on your spouse all the time either. Correct. And, and you know, uh, there's there's timing issues with that too. You cannot come home and go. Right. I'm I'm really I'm having a hard time, and I need honey. I need your help. You would not believe what I got hit with today. 
if she turns around and goes, oh, you think you had, you had a hard day today? Let me tell you what happened right. to me today. That's, that's not, no, wrong, you, wrong, you, wrong. You lost. You can't, you can't talk about it. No, no. There should be, you know, commiseration. Absolutely. You know, a partner that it's a different kind of partnership, not a friend to rely on. That's somebody you call up and I go, Hey, Lucy, I'm struggling with this. I need your help. I need some advice. I need somebody to bounce this off of who's going to be completely neutral because my wife, she cares about me emotionally. And so she's going to want to tell me as honestly as she can, what she can to make me feel better. My friend like you are going to tell me what is honest and true, whether it makes me feel like crap or not, or not. but in the <laughs> end, it's going to get me to a good place, hopefully. <laughs> well, and there are also some topics that, you know, quite frankly, uh, your spouse, it doesn't really give a shit about and, and would just look at you and say, well, I don't care. I don't know anything about that. Get over it. Get over yourself. And, and it, but it matters, but those things matter to guys, you know, right. I mean, if, 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 and if you're, if you were going to have your balls get chopped off, if you, if you, something was so bad where your balls are going to have to be chopped off, your wife would be like, well, get over it. Just, you know, who cares? They're just, yeah. they're just balls. We've got two right? kids. We're not having anymore. Right. What's your problem? But you would be freaked and, out. And turn it, flip it the other way. Right. I mean, how many men out there have heard their wives talk about somebody at work, some other girl, some other woman who's talking bad about them and they're blah, blah. You would never believe what Sally did. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired of hearing about Sally. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> we don't care. And that's, again, it's not fair. In the, in the dynamic of the husband-wife relationship, that's not appropriate. Can you discuss it? Yes. Can you commiserate with your spouse? Yes, and you should. You should share every, you know, there's no secrets yeah. between husband and wife. Oh, bless your heart. You're still must be newlyweds. But honestly, you need that. Yeah. Having an outside person that you can ask for opinion advice to go to. The, the main, the main thing about the mentor role, the main thing about that archetype role is the mentor has a way of forcing you to confront things that you are afraid to confront. That's the really key, that's mm -hmm. a really key part of having a mentor is they make you face the hard truths and the hard, the hard truths of life, that those harsh realities that we don't really wanna face and that we may often shirk away from, that we, might, we may say, you know what, I don't wanna deal with it, so I'm gonna go over here. Your mentor says, no, stop, you gotta turn around and you gotta face that. Because really what the mentor wants you, to ha wants you to be in that situation is they want you to be a better man. And they know that unless you face it, you're not going to become better. And so the mentor, sometimes they're not even your favorite person. They may not even be your favorite person, but you go to them because you know that if anybody in this world is going to be truthful to you, it's going to be that person. Yep. He's, he's the buddy you got that constantly calls you out on your bullshit. Yeah. When you try and pass it over, like, no, I, I had no idea it came out of nowhere. And he goes, really? Really? You didn't? You're like, what? What do you mean? I, I'm not going to tell you what you already know. 
you tell me what all right you're right i know well, no seriously now all right so now you're in your predicament this is the bed you made how are you going to address it what is your plan right and then they'll hold you accountable he doesn't to give it. you the answer and then yes. they'll hold you accountable to it <laughs> If, you know, <laughs> if, if you come back to him and he says, so how'd it go? And you're like, well, I didn't do anything. He's going to say, well, why not? He's going to yeah. hold your feet to the fire. He may not even wait for you to ask. He may just come out and say, how did it go? And he's going to know right away. A good mentor is going to know whether you're blowing smoke up his ass or not. And he's going to be able to call you on it right then and there. Yeah. Usually he's going to call you on it when you, he goes, well, how'd it go? And you go, well, here's the thing. Nope. Don't nope. want to hear it <laughs> before you even start. I don't want to hear it. Uh, you're, you're giving fix me, it. you're, you're, yeah, I don't need any more BS. I got enough in my life. Yep. Go fix it. The, the next archetype here, this is an interesting one. The next archetype is the wingman. The wingman archetype. Yeah. Yep. Now, everybody needs a yes man. Traditionally, the wingman, traditionally, the wingman in our culture has been the guy who, if they're, let's say you, you go out to a bar or club, right? And you see a girl and she's going to be with her friend. Your wingman is there to distract the friend so that yes. you can, he's, so that you can isolate the, 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 the girl you're interested in talk to her. He, he's on fat chick isolation duty. Yes. Bestie duty. Right. Yep. Right. Hey, you see that girl? Yeah. Oh, dude, no. Come on, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> Look at her. Look who she's with. She literally brought her ugly friend from, uh, you know, high school on purpose. Right. You're going to, God dang it. Oh, you owe me for this. All yeah. right. But, but here's the thing. And I really like this article because they, while they admit that that's part of the role of the wingman, there's also a different facet to the wingman that is really important for men. Um, and that is the wingman also lets you, teaches you how to be confident when it, with, when you're interacting with the opposite sex. So they well, tell I, you I'm, things like, don't, you're, don't do that. You're being dumb. Don't wear that yeah. shirt out. You're, that's not gonna, you know, are you trying to drive them away when you dress like that? Mm -hmm. Those well, kinds of things. I, I would actually take it even a step further. I don't think it's necessarily particular to when you're interacting with the opposite sex. Your wingman, he's, he's got your back. He's the guy you call whenever stuff's going down or whenever you're going out, whether you're going out to a bar, or you're going to, you know, he's got your back no matter what. He's going to tell you whether you, you know, you said something dumb to the chick at the bar but he's also going to tell you when you poke the bear to the boyfriend you didn't know she had, and now you're out in the alley, right. and he's going right. to have to back you up in the scrap you're getting into. He's going to say, you know what, dude? You could have walked away from that, but you big dummy. You told him that he looked pretty in those pants. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. So, yes, he boosts your confidence up, and sometimes to a fault. It's the bit, but that's the wingman. He's not supposed to correct you in the moment. He's Captain Hindsight, and he's got your back even when you're being stupid. And it's not also it's not always just about hitting on other women or hitting on women in general. No. It's not always about that either. It can be just the 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 wingman is also that kind of role that helps you be less awkward in social settings. So he's also the guy who is there to be your cheerleader in a sense, right? So he's the guy who can help build up a conversation, get a conversation going. He's also the guy that 
knows how to drive a conversation toward you when there's somebody in the group that he knows you're interested in. And he can say, hey, you know what? I, you're interested in skydiving. Well, my buddy over here, he's a skydiver. You should talk to him. Have you ever noticed, and this is a general question for all of our listening audience, that anytime you come across somebody who is an introvert, they've always got an extrovert somewhere yeah. around them, especially in big groups. You know, you go to some conference. We're like your pets. The introvert might. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the introvert's kind of like, hey, where's, uh, I lost my security blanket. Where's yeah. my extrovert? He's off somewhere, you know? I got to go find him because I don't know yes. how to talk to anybody. Every, every you know, introvert where, needs my, to, My social yeah. butterfly. Every introvert needs to, needs to be adopted by an extrovert. Yeah. <laughs> or vice versa. Right. Realize if you're, if you're a social butterfly out there, you probably have an introvert who's actually got you tied you know, by the, on a string. Yeah. You ever, you ever flown a butterfly like yeah. a kite on a string when you were a kid? That's, that's you. Yeah. The extrovert Jason, is the one on. who comes. Don't run right. away on me. The, the extrovert <laughs> comes and gets you to go out and says, come on, man, let's go out. Let's go do something. Let's be social. Let's go, you know, and, and that's, yeah. that's good for the, for the guy all the way around. Right. Yep. Absolutely. The, the Build third, up. the third archetype here is, and I need more of these in my life because, um, Anyway, I'll just get into it in a second. But the third archetype is the handyman guy. Yeah. The guy who can I, fix anything, who mm -hmm. can do anything around the house, right? Because he teaches you how to do that shit, right? Yeah. He teaches you how to do that. Now, you know, there was a time when, when I tiled pools. I've torn out my, when I was younger, I've had, because I didn't have any money at the time. So I had to learn how to fix my vehicle. I had to learn how to tear out my engine and rebuild it. I had to do that. I had to do that two or three times when I was, when I was growing up uh, because I didn't have the money to, to repair it. And I learned how to fix my vehicle pretty, pretty darn well. As I've gotten older, I just learned how to fix things with my wallet. I just wave my wallet at it and it goes away and somebody else fixes it and I pay them for it. Um, you know, but but I also recognize that by, you know, having somebody ar around who could teach you those kinds of, hey, how would I do this, mm -hmm. right? It's, and, you know, and to say that they would come over and actually like teach you, teach you. Yes, they are doing that, but they do it in a different way. It's like, hey, I, you know, how would I actually go about doing this thing? What do you think? And they might walk you through it or, you know, and what's even better is if they come over and you do it together, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. And... You know, I'm, I am not, um, I am not Joe handyman by any stretch of the imagination. I I've figured I've learned a lot, but I figured out a lot by trial and error. Well, that looks like poo poo or that's not going to hold or that messed up. And as I've gotten older, I've learned there is something better than learning from your own mistakes. It's learning from somebody else's, else's mistakes. mistakes. Yes. So I have a couple other people that I go, Hey, there's a, this issue. What do you know about it? Well, yeah. I know this. Hmm. Here's what I got. And we'll spitball that. And I'll determine whether that's within the realm of my abilities or out. And if it's out, can I call some, a buddy of mine to help me do that and teach me? Or do I go, Nope, I'm going to go to the next level. And I just call the friggin' plumber because yeah. that's an area I don't mess with. Now, I now also have a terrifying, a, deviation from electricity it bugs me so bad i 
I know people are like, oh, there's nothing to it. I'm like, yes, there is. There's like 20,000 volts of death running through it. <laughs> and I don't amps. touch it. <laughs> amps are bad, man. Okay. See, I, I don't know, but it's bad. I just, yeah. You know, electricity. I don't, I don't play with that much. So yeah. 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 Well, the, the, the challenge with the handyman friend is it's really, really easy to appear like you're taking advantage of them because every yeah, time you call them up, you know, you, you have to be careful that, that, that you don't call them up only when you have problems for them to solve. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you, you want a handyman who likes to be around, but you need to appreciate them and not call them only when shit's broken. Yeah. I got I, a, uh, well, after a while, they're very just very good buddy of mine. And, and you do too. You actually know this brother. And he, uh, anytime somebody's car's messed up, his phone rings. And, you know, you got an issue. I don't care if it's two in the morning. Hey, dude, here's, you know, I'm stuck or I'm stranded. My car did XYZ. You know, can I tow it over to your house? And um, I think he's finally in his later years wised up that there's, he had a lot of, acquaintances who he thought were friends who I think kind of had him in that same realm where he just got called up for anytime somebody's car was broken, but right. So that's tough. To, I could need to recognize being them. in that spot. So I don't want to put anybody in that spot. Yeah. Right. You need to recognize these individuals. You need, if they're, if they're your friends, then treat them like your friends. If, if you have a handyman friend, and you're, you don't really like to hang out with them, then they're really not your friend. And then you should just have a business relationship with them. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, I have a handyman that I pay that comes to my house. We're not friends. I call him up. I say, dude, I have work for you. When can you come and do it? You let me know how much, to, how much you're going to charge me. And I'll tell you whether or not I'll pay that. Right. I mean, that's, that's our relationship. It's a strictly business, Right. He doesn't call me up on the weekends to hang out. I don't call him up on the weekends to hang out. I think he's a cool dude. There's no, I mean, he's, he's a great guy. Um, but we are strictly, you know, it is, it is, it is business. I call him up. I'm like, dude, this thing broke my flex capacitor. It's busted. Yeah. You're the expert. I need, I value your expertise. <laughs> when are you available? Do you want to make money? is basically what I tell him. Do you want to make money? Because I got work for you. And he's like, yeah, I love money. I'm like, great come make money. Right. <laughs> and that's and how we operate. I, I, I absolutely respect people like you that can do that. And I recognize I'm not built that way. I just can't. Yeah, yeah. I've got a handyman guy that I call, I, I call him. I have given him work. I've given him business. And I called him a couple weeks ago. Hey man, just haven't talked to you in like six months. How's it going? How's the wife? Hope things are okay. You know, just checking in on you. COVID's crazy. You know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I, I have to make that bridge between not just work professional acquaintance to semi friend. There's like a middle line there. Otherwise I can't rationalize the relationship in my head, but no, I do. I rationalize it. I'm like, I give you dollars. That's how I rationalize. Oh, I know you do. I told you what I thought you were worth. It was exactly $365.89. That's yeah, the invoice yeah. you gave me and I paid it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> Technically, you told me what your relationship was worth. So I, I have another great handyman type of guy. He comes and cleans my pool um, and he takes care of my pool every week. I love him. The guy is fantastic. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, 
He's hysterical. I, I love hanging out with him when I do get time to actually go visit with him when he's taking care of my pool. Um, he's a great guy to be around, right? And but I told him when I when I first started working with him, I said, dude, I don't know anything about taking a pool or about taking care of a pool. And I said, and I don't want to learn about how to take care of my pool. I said, I want you to come take care of it. And I will pay you to do so. And I will text him. There have been there have been times when I've texted him in the middle of the night. I'm like, hey, Chris, I really hope you're asleep and you don't get this until morning. But please know that the flux capacitor on the pool is busted. Come when you can. And he, he just shows up. He just comes, shows up, and then he fixes it. And then he sends me a bill. And I'm like, fantastic. I love him. Love him. You know, in the middle of the night when your pool's flux capacitor breaks, yeah. you can actually type that text out and schedule it to be delivered at 8 a.m. the next morning. You don't have to potentially wake him up at midnight or whenever well, actually, it is you're going to bed. I actually know that the 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 – the phone that I have to him is his work phone and he does turn it off when he gets to the house. So, you know, in the rare, really odd chance that he might have left it on, that's why I put, I hope you're sleeping. <laughs> I just do it because I know I'd forget. I know that I would go to bed and I would get up the next morning and then, you know, it'd be two oh, o'clock yeah. in the afternoon and the missus would say, did you text Chris? And I'm saying, crap no i didn't text him right now now it's you know now my pool is yep. growing algae <laughs> well at least when your flux capacitor breaks that's all yeah. that happens you don't get immediately zapped back to 1985 or whatever <laughs> yeah <So>. <laughs> <laughs> all right the third was this three this was three yeah so the fourth the three. fourth archetype the fourth archetype is the fitness buff the fitness buff the guy who likes to work out, the guy who likes to run marathons, do all that kind of stuff. He basically likes to like to, he likes to break a sweat. You need you need one of those guys. You're looking at me like, well, why do what I need one of those guys? The the reason why is because I'm he's, I'm waiting for the punchline to the joke. <laughs> because he's the guy that tries to inspire you to get out more and do those things and take care of yourself and make sure that, you know, he's the guy that when you show up, he'll poke you in the belly, right? And kind of look at you or laugh, laugh at you. He's the guy that shames you into why are you getting fat? You know, get up, go do something, yeah. right? We hate them. I had friends like them before. Yeah, we got rid of them. Yeah, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't because that person is going if, if, i'm sorry if i have a friend friend and i'm going to use the term because you mm -hmm. used it friend who is constantly every time i see them wanting me to go do physical activity you have to understand that's one time away from the house and family that i don't already have time away from work that i'm probably not going to be able to ever get and all on top of that you're going to also try and make me either diet and or exercise so i'm going to do two fingers for that um, diet and or exercise to improve my life for whom <laughs> that friend is not part of my life for very long. Here's the problem I with know. fitness friend. Uh, they're going to get kicked out. I know I've seen me do it. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the problem with fitness friend. I don't mind a fitness friend that provided that fitness fitness friend just wants to go to the gym for no more than an hour. Okay. Because I've known, I've had too many fitness friends in the past and they do shit like, let's go mountain biking. 
I don't want to do that kind of crap. Or let's go rock climbing. No, I don't want to do that kind of crap either. Because you know what? That takes, that takes like hours and hours to go do. I don't want to go do yes. that. I want to go to the gym for no more than an hour. And then I want to come home. And yep. I don't want to spend five hours at the gym and I don't want to go rock climbing and I don't want to go hiking and I don't want to buy a bike and go mountain biking down in who knows where, where we got to, we got to get in a, the truck and, and drive for three and a half hours and then bike for two hours and then drive back. I don't want to spend my day that way. And, and sadly, all of the fitness friends that I've had in the past, they're that kind of guy. And I don't like yeah. those guys. Oh, I know. No, I, I, I can tell you with 100% honesty, I have done the fitness friend excursions. And I can tell you with all certainty that mountain biking is hazardous for my health. I have gone out six times mountain biking. <laughs> and all six times I have gone out mountain biking, I have vomited. Um, the le <laughs> the after the fourth time I went out mountain biking, I actually went to the hospital, not in the same event, but I did actually go follow up due to the vomiting to find out if there was any cardiac issues, which I went for a stress test. And guess what? There were electrical changes in my heart under stress. I have figured <laughs> out it is actually bad for me to do that. And I still went two more times because of that jackass friend and the last time I went mountain biking, I hit a deer and ruined my bike and busted <laughs> myself up. And I'm never mountain biking again. And I don't need that friend in my life anymore. Thank you, no. So we know that we are not the, that each other's friend who takes the mountain biking. No, we've established <laughs> the, the introvert, extrovert, you yeah. know, wingman kind of really, that's, that's us. <laughs> the, no mountain biking <laughs> the fifth the fifth archetype friend that everybody that all guys need is the work pal and we're I, just I, moving on from there yeah okay. yeah 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 we're just yeah okay okay the the work pal guy the the friend at work that you go and you just hang out with and it's all about work uh, you probably never even see him in the evenings or on the weekends or any, unless it's some work event. Right. I've had a lot of work pals over the years. I love these guys. Mm -hmm. I love these guys. He's the, he's the safe haven at work. Yeah. He's the 10 minute. I'm just getting away from my spreadsheet that I'm stuck looking at or whatever it is. And you go bug, you know, Pat, what's up, Pat? Hey man, what you doing? Uh, stupid work, blah, blah, blah. What are you working on? Oh, no, 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 doing this. And you kind of BS about what, not watching the uh, football game or whatever it is and talk about your wives like you actually know each other and all this kind of stuff and you have your work comment. You're like, all right. Of that, I better get back to grind the bosses. Like, oh, hey, boss. Yep. Just asking <laughs> a quick question. I got to run back. That guy. Yes, that guy. The guy that, because, you know, you're going to be hanging Pretty out. Close? Yeah, you're going to be there oh, okay. at the office for 40 hours a week. You know, you need, you need somebody to hang out with during that time and have lunch with, right? Go out to eat with, all, all that kind of stuff. And just, they make, the, the work pal makes work enjoyable. You might be, okay. you so, might be pissed off and complaining the entire time, but at least you're doing it with a pal. 
Right. Well, and I was going to ask why that he was essential, but I guess that answers that question. Well, because he's there and he's there to keep, get you through the, you know, through all of the hassles of what we have to do to make money. Right. He's common ground commiseration. And exactly. He's the guy, you know, you're going to have a lot of, you'll probably have a lot of stress from your own job. He's there to, he knows, he knows everything that's going on about work. Right. So that's somebody that you can vent to and talk to only about work. And they're not going to be upset about it because you're also their work pal. Right. 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 You can have that. And and everybody, everybody's had. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, and and he's the guy that if he quits, you're actually going to feel really bummed out when you, when you learn. What do you mean you quit? <laughs> what do you mean you gave notice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't leave quit me here. Me. What? <laughs> I can't do that. We're supposed to talk about these things before you do that. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, if, if he's that good work pal, you might have been so bold to invite him over, you know, for like, burgers and beers on a Saturday, you know, let, you know, bring the wife and kid when they can hang out and you get together and you go, I promise we're not going to talk about work. And then after 20 minutes, you realize you have nothing else to talk about, but work. So you end up just sitting there BSing about work and everything else. And it's kind of awkward for a while. And you're like, yeah, we should do this more often. And then you never invite him back over again because you're like, no, that's well, because you end up violated the sanctity of of the work, right. Of the work pal, right. Yeah, because more than likely, the only thing you have in common is the fact that you work together, right? And he's just right. like you. He's just as big of an asshole as you are at work, so you guys get along well. <clears throat> well, that's, that's a heck of a statement, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure that these have, you know, their, their parallels into the into the, the, the female side of the equation. <clears throat> Wait, what did you say about entering the female side of the equation? You kind of <laughs> broke up there. I said, I'm sure these archetypes have parallels to, on the female side of the equation. I'm sure there are women equivalents for women to have as friends. Absolutely. I can't speak to what those are because I'm not a chick. <laughs> and I will say this from the outside looking in, I do believe that the female social construct is in a much higher state of flux than the male construct is. Men, I believe, are, are pretty solidified in their standard makeups of who they associate with and how they assign those roles. I think women are in a constant state of flux in that space where people may change those roles frequently. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, you, would you like me to expound upon that or give yes, you an please. Example? Yes. Yes. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Would you, would you mind? So for every guy out there who has a significant other female at home, and I'm not going to say this is just a wife. If you have a daughter or if you've heard even growing up, maybe your mom talking about this, but she's got a bestie work buddy who is her confidant 90% of the time. And then 
you also hear her piss moaning complain about how she was off with some other friend or she heard from mm. random other third person how she said something bad about her and then it all came back and it was just this big thing and I'm not even talking to her anymore. And then two days later, everything's back to normal and it was all fine. So it's in a very high chaotic state of flux on where these kind of loyalty relationships seem to lie. I'm not making a um, disparaging statement, just an observation. And I think that actually keeps those relationship dynamics interesting also for females that they are a little unstable. Stability, I think, tends to lead towards almost a state of boredom in those okay. relationships. All right. I'll allow it. Oh, well, thank you, <laughs> Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and let the hate mail flow to fusionunderground.net. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, defi definitely. Um, so, you know, there's, I have a, I have a friend. He, uh, yes, I have more than, more than one. I don't have very many. I don't have very many. Uh, but I, I have a buddy of mine and, and he loves to say that he loves to see when other guys are being stupid and his, his go-to response to that is this is why we need bullies. And I think there's some truth to that statement when he says that. Okay. Um, we've, we've entered into a really crazy time in our culture where and, and I mentioned this earlier, how the postmodern feminism, postmodern feminism in, in the United States, or at least in the West, is shitting all over masculinity. And, mm -hmm. and that has led to a drastic change in what is considered to be acceptable masculinity. And there are many people who try to stifle and downplay masculinity and say masculinity in general is bad. And you've heard the term toxic masculinity, right? We never talk right, about right. positive masculinity, but we just talk about toxic masculinity. And, and so now there's a, there are people in our culture that they feel it is incumbent upon them to suppress any kind of masculinity that resides in them. And so they, they mm -hmm. kind of, they look like, well, pansies and for all intents and purposes, right? So they come off looking like no, they, they don't look masculine at all. They don't look like right. men. They don't behave like men. They don't, you know, nothing. They don't talk like guys. They, they just, you know, they're just these, these, these wusses, these pansies. Mm -hmm. And, and so when these guys come into play, you know, we, our culture typically refers to them or at least, yeah, our culture kind of from time to time will refer to these kind of pansies as soy boys mm -hmm. because it's been, it's been shown how, large quantities of soy in your system reduces your, um, your testosterone levels. Um, <clears throat> and so when, when we have these soy boys, my friend will say, well, this is why we need bullies. And, and I think that there's something really, I think there's something there. I mean, to the okay. extent yeah. that what is a bully, what does a bully do? You know, in, in some cases, a bully's there to shame you. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, 
challenge you and push you and, and oppose you. We talked about this when we talked about uh, uh, mental fortitude right. recently. You know, we have a generation, especially a young generation now, who have never had to face any kind of challenge. They've never been opposed. They've never had to overcome difficult situations. They've been um, shielded ever by, um, whether it's by the, I think you call them the snowplow parents mm -hmm. or protected by helicopter parenting. I mean, even, even um, our colleges with these trigger words that might potentially cause them discomfort, you know, have warning labels associated with them. We're, we're pushing, and, it, and it's especially targeted towards men, um, where they're not allowed to show any kind of masculinity, not stand their ground. You must always yield, must always bet. And if you think about the old stereotype of um, the bully pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, the old idea was, well, eventually you have to learn to stand up for yourself, stand up to that bully face the confrontation, deal with the problem head on, stand your ground. Most of these kids, especially men are being taught, no, you just get out of the way. They'll pass you by. No, that's not really how that works. And we're seeing a lot of that right now where it's just, we're getting, our young men are being steamrolled um, into these, I'm, I'm sorry, but like you said, a soy boy um, mentality and they're all crying out for some sort of mentorship, some sort of leadership to actually take them through the, you know, rite of passage to becoming men. And without any of those kind of um, roles and, and without any of that kind of, I guess, social construct for them, they're left wandering without any kind of self-identity. <clears throat> And honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to take it just, I'm going to throw this right out there because it was something I was talking to you on the phone about a couple weeks ago. I think that is a big part of why President Trump has such a large following with middle-aged men. He's a man's man. He actually is a very masculine man. And he, I mean, even in the debate, he did not back down. He stood up to fight. And I think a lot of men are looking for that. It appeals to them, not for the sake of going to blows or becoming violent, but especially in today's society where we are used to seeing men fall and kowtow and cater and net stand their ground. And if you think about the masculine man and, and, I don't want to call them idols, but I mean, even the American soldier has stood in that regard as a model of manhood for young men going forward. Someone that is going to stand and fight and oppose others who are trying to invade or take our freedoms from us. Sorry, I don't know if I kind of went off tangent and I apologize, but um, that's yeah. just where the rabbit hole went. Yeah. And here's, here's, you know, this is, I, I find this to be very disturbing and I know there are going to be people that are going to hear this and they're going to, they're not going to think that this is a big deal, but I think this is a big deal. I think this is a big problem for masculinity. Um, there's a group. Okay. It's called a men's cuddling group. Men's cuddling group. You can, you can Google it. They're, 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 I don't want to Google that. 
men's cuddling group, their, their purpose is they want to redefine masculinity through cuddling. Well, then that's not masculinity in my book. That's not masculinity. And, and, they, and, another, and another aim for them is to heal trauma. Okay. So let, let's, let, let's, let's step through this here. Okay. Okay. So um, twice a month, this, this is an article here. Twice a month, half a dozen men gather in Plymouth meeting to help each other work through past traumas. Okay. That's not bad. Okay. I think, you know, men have traumas and they need to be able to work through them. Their chosen method of healing, cuddles. No, hold on. Um, I know a lot of different support groups, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous sure. or, you know, the, the, there's, there's a lot of different support groups. And you know what? I understand the whole group hug and hug it out and the whole thing. And I get that. But you're, you're not <clears throat> saying hug and not that I'm saying that, well, whatever my opinion doesn't matter. What is cuddling? Well, let's get into it, shall we? Okay, sorry. It may seem odd, but members of the men's therapeutic cuddle group say the practice has helped them cope with everything from childhood sexual abuse to the loss of family members when they were young. The two-year-old group draws men from various backgrounds. A 37-year-old Mormon who works as an airport gate agent, a 57-year-old married father of three, a 62-year-old retiree. There is a range of sexual orientations. At a time when traditional ideas of manhood are facing scrutiny and such terms as toxic masculinity are becoming more widely known through the Me Too movement, the group aims to provide new ways for men to express themselves. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, you want to know what cuddling means. So I'm going to skip through part of this. Okay. Um, Unlike professional cuddling services, so there are professional <laughs> cuddling services. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Unlike professional cuddling services, which are gaining popularity in cities across the United States, the group charges no fees and members are not required to undergo any training. Although the meetups are not open to the public, the group held a demonstration for the reporter. At the beginning of the session, everyone agrees not to engage in sexual touch Wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> the fact that you have the disclaimer up front means this is going to get really disturbing to me really quickly, I'm afraid. Yeah. So at the beginning of the session, everyone agrees not to engage in sexual touch and to ask for consent before each action. They gathered in a huddle and breathed meditatively. The cuddling started with men pairing up to do the motorcycle hold. In which they one spooning? In which one man sits with his back against another man's chest as if they were riding together on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. oh. uh, Some massaged their partner's shoulders or hands while others stroked the other person's beard. Uh, oh God. <laughs> uh, oh. Many close their eyes as the room falls into silence. After 15 minutes, they switch to a new partner. For the second half of the session, the men cuddled as one large group in what they call a puppy pile. 
men lay with their heads in each other's laps, chatted and joked. Mm-mm-mm. It's meant to be a space where men feel safe sharing their innermost thoughts, said Kevin Eitzenberger, 57, who founded the group with Turner. That can be challenging in other areas of their lives where they're expected to be the strong provider. In the group, they learn it's okay to be a little fractured. I think this is doing more harm to masculinity than it is doing good. You think? And and here's the reason reason why I say that. Here's the reason why I say that is because it's it's in our wiring as men to behave a certain way and what this group does is it suppresses all of that it suppresses that wiring that we've had through hundreds of thousands of years through evolution and defines what we are as men and it suppresses that and what it also does is it shows you how not to behave as men and how to and how not to channel that masculinity in a way that does good externally for the larger society. Correct. Correct. And, you know, we started off earlier talking about sharing with um, your wife as a partner, as an example. Remember, we were, we, we were talking mm-hmm. about that as a friend or mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to put my head in somebody's lap and let them kind of run their fingers through my hair and tell me it's all going to be okay. That's going to be my wife. And that's about it. Now here's the thing. Okay. Here, here's, here's the other thing about this whole thing. I don't have any, I don't have any problem with gay men who might be in a gay relationship. Okay. I, I don't have that problem. And if, but I also think that those gay men, should learn how to embrace their masculinity in a way that that shows their masculinity and puts their masculinity forth into society as a whole. I would tell a gay man, don't go to this. This isn't, this isn't right. No. You want to put your head in the lap of, you want to put your head in the lap of another man, do it with your partner. Correct. Right? You don't, you shouldn't be going to this. This, this thing to me is not the proper outlet for the stress that men have i don't i don't know what this is this is no this is a dismantling of masculinity is what it is well and I, and honestly i believe that's probably partially the intent the problem is is when when you actually do that you're you're again you're stripping away a part of of who we are as a as human beings it's not even a cultural situation you know there's a there's a social contract with most most guys if we come in and, and you're like hey buddy and i give you a hug guys hug guys hug sure of course i give do. my friends a hug sure. but there's a time limit on the hug guys know this right you know, we come it's in, we 15, hug. it's a lot it shorter a, than 15 minutes it's a it's a <laughs> it's a two Maybe a third pat as the push-off happens. That's how it goes. You bring it in, usually left side, two pats, one and you're off. That's it. If you can even hug and walk, but guys understand, this is arm and arm around each other. It's a, hey, man. And usually there's a jab to the gut as a friendly, hey, what's going on? Because we're reminding each other that we're still dudes. Now, if you're a gay couple your social contract has changed 
that's where the masculinity rolls and the gender identification changes. That's part of your own personal social contract with your partner. Just like if you have a, a male and female who are friends and then if they become, you know, they date and then are married, that social contract changes. But you do not strip the identity away from the human being. And the, the human being, the soul, is going to fight back against that at some point in some way, shape, or form. And I, I don't see how, how that's not apparent to most people. Um, and the fact of the matter is, even in groups like this, and, and, and I'm not picking on them, but I'm just where you're using it as an example. Normally, in situations like this, there is so much time spent on explanation and trying to make sure everyone is comfortable with it. That should be a dead ringer for you that it's probably not. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, there are going to be people that listen to this that will say, well, what's the big deal? What's wrong with this? I would say most people who would say that would probably be women. That's an assumption on my part. I think, I think women would see this as not that big of a deal. And they would say, well, let men, let men cuddle. Hold on. Hold on. I don't think women would say that about the men they would want to be with. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Right there. And that's where I was going. Yeah. And this was different. We, we talked, you touched on this a little bit about the, you know, as individuals, we can say, you know, we recognize a social issue mm-hmm. and we want that to be, you know, ideally addressed. If it's important to the individual, that individual should say, well, how should I affect that? To, and we can say, you know what, if men want to go out and they want to spoon and they want to motorboat each other as long as it's socially acceptable or whatever you want to do to make each other feel good about just being guys or having some stress, you do you. And most, I, and I agree with you, I think women would probably be more accepting to that as a whole than men would. But women out there, if your husband, boyfriend, significant other some guy you're dating i don't know if he said he wants to go be a part of that are you going to be okay with it i don't think they would be i don't think so either right especially if god forbid because they're getting that somewhere else yeah that kind of uh stress relief that uh comforting and you're not getting that with your husband now at home you're going to be okay with that? So I don't think so. This group says that this is a way to try to redefine and rethink masculinity. And I think that's where they're wrong. I don't think it has anything to do with masculinity. I think what it, I think it has the effect of dismantling masculinity and suppressing masculinity, but it's certainly not a way to, to deal with masculinity. And that's the, that's fundamentally the problem that I have you, you can't, you should, I think it's disingenuous to say, we're going to have this cuddle group and we're going to do all of these different things. And, and yes, they're all, I, I, I get it. All of the men who are coming here, they, they are willing participants, right? They're, they're, they're going into it with open eyes. I get it. I, I get all of that, but don't try to 
fake me out and say, well, this is a way for us to handle our masculinity. What you're doing is you're not handling your masculinity at all. Call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. You're not dealing with the masculinity. You're not finding a better outlet for the stressors that affect, that affect men. And that can, you know, they, they cite these things, how men get really stressed out and then men commit the majority of homicides or they commit the majority of violent crimes, et cetera, et cetera. You're not dealing with the masculinity. You're not showing that when you're stressed, this is how you release it in society. This is how you respond. When you're angry, this is what you, nobody's going to have, these men are not getting angry and then cuddling. They're, no. they're, they're going to this, cuddle group after the fact they need to be around other men that show them this is how you channel that masculinity yes you're going to get pissed off at things but this is how you respond in that moment not respond and act out and lash out and not know how to deal with the actual anger that you're faced with but i'm going to go to my cuddle group on thursday right right those right. are those are two different things so i you know what? You want to cuddle? Fine. Go ahead and cuddle. But let's be honest. It's not redefining masculinity. It's suppressing it. It's not finding a better outlet for masculinity. It has nothing to do with masculinity. So don't try to pull the wool over anybody's eyes and say, this is you dealing with masculinity because there's over 200 years of psychotherapy that says you're, you're, you guys are not doing anything that has to deal with masculinity. Well, no, and, and you've seen this before, and, and no matter what it is, when, when, you, when you hear the, anyone say they're going to redefine, you might as well just say we're going to eliminate and substitute because Correct. that's what's actually happening. Correct. Um, the, the interesting thing that I see about the attacks on masculinity as a whole, at least as our society goes, is most of the traits that they associate with masculinity as being negative towards men are the exact same traits that they are praising feminists for embodying. So right. obviously these must not be bad things. Correct. Do I believe that? Yes. Um, frustration can lead to anger can lead to violence. Yeah. There's a rabbit hole that you can continue to follow, but that's not everyone. And that's not the vast majority of men out there either. And everyone knows it. And there is a point where you need and want your boyfriend, your husband, your brother, your dad to stand up for you and those around you for what is right. Hell, your mom told you if you, if you um, don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything or how that phrase goes. I mean, you need to be able to stand for what is of value in your life. So to say that you're going to redefine, no, don't piss on my head and call it rain. Say we are eliminating masculinity from the males in our society. This is one way. We have other ideas. We want to embody the uh, masculine traits that men have had in women and eliminate it from men. <clears throat> At least then you're being honest. So one of the guys here he f who founded this whole cuddle group, he founded this other group called the Mankind Project. And I haven't looked that up yet. Um, but what, the, what, he, what this particular individual talks about is that men need a support group, which I totally get. I think everybody needs a support group, okay? Um, and 
he says this, he says, quote, we want men to come in and figure out what their ideal of manhood is. It's not something that can be imposed or prescribed to you. I have a fundamental issue with that because it's not about your ideal of manhood versus my ideal of manhood. It's about our culture and societal view of manhood. Because, because the reason why I say that is because, look, we exist not to live in isolation. We exist so that we can interact with other people in society. And we need to understand how, as men, we need to understand what is expected of us in society. And we need to understand how we operate and function within society. That doesn't, if I, if I say, well, I have my ideal version of manhood and it's different from your ideal version of manhood, guess what? We don't get to operate in society as, you know, with one another because our, our concepts, our definitions are completely different. And if you think, well, you know, all of this is subjective anyway. No, 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 it's not subjective. This, this, this is an actual thing. Let's, let's look at it in a different way. Let me use the metaphor of playing a game. If we sit down and we're going to play a game, we agree to certain things. We agree to follow a set of rules that define the game. And when one of us breaks those rules, breaks a rule, we call that cheating. Mm -hmm. But as long as we agree on what the rules are, then we can play and interact. And we interact with each other through that game. Society is exactly the same way. Right. Society sets up and says, look, there are rules for our behavior. I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking about rules that govern our behavior as civil society. And some of those rules are rules that pertain to women. And some of those rules are rules that pertain to men. And some, and some of those social rules pertain to both. Okay, but if you're a man and you have a different, a different definition of masculinity than the rest of society, you're not going to be able to function in society. You just will not. Right, right. And we, we've seen this attack on masculinity been happening for, oh, I'd say at least, at least 10 years, the last 10 years. It's, it, and it's been in ramping up. Um, and I believe that, that this is at the heart of a big part of why the push for the destruction of the nuclear family. I mean, if you think about where we learn, we start learning our roles as men or women, for that matter, is in our own home. And it's from the, mm -hmm. the idols and, and um, 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 examples set for us in our own home i.e if you're a young man you saw and learned what it was like to be a man first and foremost probably from your father and or paternal you know grandfather whoever the man or the the masculine influence in your small family unit was that's the role model that was set for you to follow and that then that's where I believe the, uh, the phrase, well, you were just a, a chip off the old block. You know, mm -hmm. you were you just like your dad. I don't believe that's because that's inherent in your DNA necessarily. I believe that you follow the role model set for you. 
And so that's where that, I believe that's where that comes from. So the idea of dis dismantling that nuclear family, I think really does tie in heavily to this attempt to destroy manhood um, and masculinity from our society. Right. Right. And again, I, as I said, if you're, if you're a dude and you want to go and hang out with and cuddle with a bunch of other dudes, I'm not, I, you know what? I, I don't have any problem with you going and doing that. But let's, let's just be honest and recognize that your little cuddle group has nothing to do with masculinity and it has everything to do with suppressing masculinity. Let's not, it has nothing to do with redefining. You can claim it's you redefining masculinity, but that doesn't mean that you actually are doing that. It, it doesn't mean that you're actually channeling masculinity in a different way. No, it means you're, you're suppressing it. You're even, you're completely avoiding the masculinity. You're avoiding the problem of masculinity or the solutions of masculinity for both because masculinity, let's say, I'll be perfectly honest. It comes with its share fair of problems. It comes with its share, fair share of, of perks. Yeah. Okay. But in order to explore that masculinity and figure out how to deal with that, you need to deal with the masculinity itself. This is not dealing with the masculinity. Yeah. And you can call, you can claim to be dealing with it, but in reality, at the end of the day, you are not, you are avoiding it. You're avoiding the masculinity, but you're trying to dress it up and say that and claim that you are. And all you're doing is deluding yourself. I would have much more respect for these guys. If they just said, yeah, it has nothing to do with masculinity. We just want to get around and we like the, we like the, the physical, the physicalness of being together. Sure. I think that's weird. Yeah. I think that's weird. And I think the vast, vast, vast majority of society would think it's weird. But well, free country, but, you can go do that. So two things. Well, I, I would say I think most people think it's weird. And that's probably evidenced by the fact that you started this whole thing out saying that it was a half a dozen. Which makes it sound a lot bigger than the reality of that means six. Six. <laughs> I mean. For two can, years. Yeah. In two they, years, they've only got six guys. The entire club can fit around one dining room table and, you know, have dinner. Again, um, most men think that this is weird. Most men, not good with that. But I, what I don't understand is in our current waking culture where masculinity is being completely shunned in every, you know, corner of the, at least the United States, where this is becoming more and more socially accepted, why even try to mask it? That I don't understand. And, and maybe that's just me. I, I, why not just come out and say who you are? Unless you're really not comfortable with who you are. Right. Which, interestingly enough, you did say uh, um, various different sexual preferences make up this group, I believe you mentioned. Yes. Well, in a group of six, how various can you be of dudes? Well, so maybe they're not comfortable with who they are yet. I don't know. I, I, and I'm just, I'm just trying to understand again. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know either. Um, and as I said, this has nothing to do with masculinity, but, um, whatever, whatever, you know, <clears throat> and this is, this is where it, you, you know, this is where these guys, they should have somebody in their, in their corner who shames them for this. I'm sorry, but you know what, if I, if I went to, I guarantee you that if any of these guys goes to 
cuddle group, they don't talk about it with their other masculine friends because their other masculine friends probably shame them. And that's, that's, that's really the history of society, whether you're, whether you're a woman or a, a man. Our societies have a history that when you become an adult, the society around you shames you into behaving a certain way. Well, and, and keep, I, I would agree with that, but for the sake of building that person up in their convictions to what they are believing that they're engaging Absolutely. in and for what they're doing it, the, it, any guy in that group should be able to stand and say, you know what, you can say whatever you want but I'm doing this because of A, B, C, D, and E, and it matters to me, and that's what I care about. And you know what? Good for you if you can do that. And that's what I but mean. But if that, you're never challenged on it, then you won't ever right. grow to be able to. And that's what I mean. These guys, need, these guys need to have other guys that shame them. Shame them from the perspective of be honest with yourself, right? Not shame them to the perspective of getting them to not attend cuddle group anymore. But shaming them, to in the, shaming them to the point where they at least are honest about why they're going. Sure. Because sure. if I were and, any and one I, of these guys' as friends, I would tell them, you're not going to increase your masculinity. Let's call it, you know, I would shame them to basically say, call it what it is. You want to go and touch a bunch of dudes. Yep. And you want to be touched by a bunch of dudes. are seeking comfort that you do not feel you can find anywhere else but then yes. this group of guys. Right. You want to be touched by guys. Just let's call it what it is. Yep. Right? And then we can at least have a we can at least have a conversation based in truth. You want yep. to be you're a dude and you want to be touched by other dudes. Yep. I don't get it, but that's your prerogative. That's you. Don't ask me to go, but that's on you. I mean, you but know. let's let's admit so what it is. Obviously, you're busy Thursdays, so maybe <laughs> let's do beers on Friday instead. Okay, not you know that's that's cool, and you know everybody, guy, girl. If there's another gender that's been made up, well, I wasn't didn't have the news on. I don't know, but everybody should have friends or people in their lives who are shaming them, bullying them, picking on them. Yeah. You know, what did you say uh, your mom used to say? Well, builds character. Builds character. But honestly, who are testing you on a regular or irregular basis to build you up. I mean, and I'm not saying that you need to get your face and your teeth kicked in every right. time you walk out of the door. And if you're hanging around people that that's all they ever do is kick your teeth in every time they see you, they're probably not a good friend. But the fact of the matter is if you're never challenged, then you're never going to know your own convictions because you've sure. never had them tested. Sure. Don't shy away from that. Rejoice in the opportunity opportunity to stand in what you believe in if you what you believe in is based on your your values and principles and your morals and who you are as an individual and a person you won't falter in that it will strengthen you it'll embolden you yeah i mean that's why um people of faith whatever faith they adhere to they are shamed and tested and and on that all the time especially as young kids growing up Mm -hmm. And 
people who are still involved with their church and their parish or whatever it is later on, they're emboldened by that. They're stronger in that conviction, not weaker for it. Sure. You know, you know, I go, I haven't gone in a while, but I used to go every couple of weeks to go get a massage. I love going and getting a massage. It's great. There's a, you know, allegedly they tell me there's all kinds of, you know, health benefits, you know, releases toxins, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I, it, you know, it's relaxing. It's great. It's fantastic. If I told you, I go get a massage. Maybe if I told you because I was, I felt weird about going and getting a massage. And I said, Jason, I go to get a massage because it helps build up my masculinity. You would tell me you're full of shit. You want somebody? Yes, to, I would. <laughs> you would say no. Yes, I would. You just want somebody to go rub you down, and I would have to say, "Yeah, okay, that's really what I yeah what I want." And you also know if I was going to ask you a question, you know what it would be. <laughs> well, Maybe. yeah, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and you know what? Here's the cool part: I'm not even going to verbalize it, and neither are you. Because regardless of who our listening audience is right now, whether you are a man or a woman, (laughs) you know exactly what the next question that I would ask Lucy is. I said, oh, you're going to get a massage? You go all the time? Uh, What's the next question? You already know. So obviously, that's a part of our makeup, what we were just talking about. Right. So. I, I have a suggestion before you go get a massage or immediately after. doesn't uh-huh. matter. Uh-huh. Um, have you ever, have you gone to a chiropractor? I have not. Do you, well, no? I did. I used to, I did a couple of times a long time ago. I didn't have a good experience okay. with them. Okay. So anybody out there who goes to see a chiropractor or a masseuse, my suggestion is do both and do it at the same time. So go to a chiropractor and get adjusted and then immediately go get a massage or I, I actually strongly recommend get your massage, then see your chiropractor. If you can do it in the same day, do it. Because if you get realigned in your back and in your joints and your muscles are tight, they will pull those they pull right back. back out. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's, it's, I know it's common sense, but a lot of people look at me cross-eyed when I say that. No. Um, and vice versa. If you're out of alignment and you get a massage, you'll relax those muscles, but your, your bones and joints are actually going to pull those muscles back into a state of tension. So you actually will close off that energy flow that's going to release all of that pent-up energy in there as well. So do both. You'll, you'll have a 10 times more uh, alleviating experience if you yeah. do that. But yeah, and I don't go get massages to increase my masculinity or deal with my masculinity. I go because I want somebody to work the knots out of my shoulders. There you yeah. go. It's it. It's cool. I so get it. If you want to go cuddle, then just admit that you want to be cuddled by a bunch of dudes. Just admit that I'd have more respect sure. for you. If you just admit it rather than trying to give me some kind of crazy song and dance about this is a new masculinity. Cause it's not because it's not. Anyway. Yeah. I think we've talked about <laughs> men's cuddle group for far too long. <laughs> yeah, 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 a little bit much. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you have any uh, any final uh, thoughts on the on anything that we talked about? You know, so we we started talking about culture, and it it just seems to me like we. I don't want to say we've lost our way, 
But I really do believe that we as a society have been trying to fight and push in what we're considering progressive and all new directions. And I'm all for improving that which is broken. All for it. You know, if I got a broken lawnmower, fix it or replace it. Fine. But if progress for the sake of progress should always be discouraged. And I always ask, why? What are we trying to fix? What is the end in sight that we have? If we want to strip mankind, and I mean the men in mankind of our masculinity, why? And to what end? What will we have in place of that? And if you're out there in the sound of my voice and you're seeing all of these changes and it's just blowing your mind and your head's boggling like, oh, I get the idea and it sounds fuzzy and fluffy and I'm okay with that, but it just doesn't seem right. That's because it probably isn't. (laughs) And you're actually going, it's like trying to swim upstream. Yes, you can get there. But does it make sense? If it doesn't, try to come up with an answer for that. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <clears throat> and I, I see these changes to our society happening, and I, I don't understand the ends. Where do we really want to get to, and why do we want that? And trust me, if you think that if we can just fix this, we'll all feel better, uh, no. That has not worked yet for any society throughout history. You know the old adage, you give an inch, they'll take a mile? Well, there's only so much placation available to you as a human being, and you can only give so much. All righty. Well, I think that about does it for us. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground for Jason Moret. I am Manuel Ramirez, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers.